Welcome to Supply Chain Now, the voice of global supply chain. Supply Chain Now focuses on the best in the business for our worldwide audience, the people, the technologies, the best practices, and today's critical issues, the challenges, and opportunities. Stay tuned to hear from those making global business happen right here on Supply Chain Now. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Scott Luton and Kevin L. Jackson with you here on Supply Chain Now. Welcome to today's show. Kevin, how you doing? Hey, I'm doing fine. I was thinking about going outside for this because, I mean, it's a warm day and it was, it's been kind of cool up here, <laughs> but these are not going to be around for long as we get into November or finishing up November. Wow. I'm with you. We got to put them in the headlock. We got to save them while we're here, <laughs> live in the moment. And you know what? As beautiful as the weather is, we've got a beautiful conversation teed up here today. Oh, I'm really yes. excited. Yes. We've got one, Kevin, as we've been talking prior to uh, the show here today. We've got one of our popular guests back with us. She's a maker, a leader, a speaker, an advocate, and certainly a dynamo. And if that isn't enough, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite and probably your favorite two uh, topics, which is manufacturing. Mm, Kevin, yeah. it should be a great show, huh? You know, everyone depends upon manufacturers to manufacture something, right? I got up this morning and I needed that, that bar of soap. <laughs> That's right. And, you know, it's such a great point because all of us as consumers, because all of us are, yeah. we don't stop and think about that often enough. So we this show is going to serve the help, awareness of the manufacturing industry, awareness of leadership, best practices, a lot of different topics we're going to cover here today. And, of course, Kevin, today's episode is presented in partnership with our friends at Microsoft who are doing some pretty cool things in the industry, helping us all move forward together successfully. So more on that later. All right, Kevin, I'm tickled. I'm ready to go. You ready to introduce our guests here? Can oh, I do that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. From the great state of <laughs> Illinois. No. That is right. That's right. Our guest was introduced to the incredible world of manufacturing on her parents' shop floor at a young age. Now, those humble beginnings would lead to an incredible journey and career where our guest has impacted the industry on a variety of levels. She has since won a, a ton, a trophy case full of awards to include the 2017 Manufacturing Institute's Award, the 2019 NAWBO Women Business Owner of the Year, Woman Business Owner of the Year. Wow. Mm. Cranes 2019 and 2020, Notable Woman in Manufacturing, and many, many others. Our guests' expertise, leadership, and achievements are appreciated in the industry leadership circles as she currently sits on the National Association of Manufacturing's Board, as well as the Precision Machine Products Association. So please join me, Kevin, in welcoming Anissa Muthana, CEO and co-owner of Pioneer Service and CEO and co-owner of M&M Quality Grinding. Anissa, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks, Scott. How are you? Doing wonderful. Doing wonderful. I'll tell you, the you, you were with us roughly two years ago and the accomplishments, the list gets longer and longer, Anissa. <laughs> yeah, I guess. A lot of sleepless nights too comes uh, with it. That's right. Well, you know, Nothing worth doing is ever easy, it seems, and I really yeah. appreciate what you do. And it's so great to have Kevin and you with us as we walk through a great conversation here. Kevin, oh, yeah. I'll tell you. are you ready to get to learn a little bit more about Nisa before we get into the heavy topics? Yeah. In, in, in fact, I mean, I was, I'm sorry, Anissa, I was a little disappointed, right? When I, I was reading it, it <laughs> said CEO and co-owner of M&M's. I said, M&M's? Wow, he was going to bring some can Oh, no, M&M's grinding. <laughs> Man, well, actually, we do at trade shows, and anytime we're doing sponsorships, we have our logo over M&M candy, and we pass it out. So I joke and say, you know, M&M candy took our brand. but <laughs> We're good with that. One day. <laughs> I love that idea. Definitely, there's an appreciation for those that have a sweet tooth. Yes. Yes. And most of us do, whether we like it or not, especially this time <laughs> yeah. of year. But, well, Anissa, it's so great to have you back. And again, we're going to be getting into a variety of topics here today, but I want to start with this. So, we were talking pre show a little bit because we all need that downtime. We all need to shut the laptops mm -hmm. and turn off the devices and lean into things that help us get that balance, right? And remind us why we do all this stuff. And we learn from you. Two of your favorite things in this world to do are sit on the beach and play with your grandkids. So tell us more about that. 
Yeah. So every Thanksgiving, we go to Aruba. This year, we're not going. We were planning on going to Maui, but for obvious reasons, we've canceled that flight. So we're going to stay home this year. But but it, it is a tradition, it, and I started it, and I it's taking the family, <laughs> my mom, and it was either that or cook. And I figured it's safer to travel than for me to cook. <laughs> You're a smart woman. See? I was looking for their first interest, and so in doing so, I adore my mother, and I'm a very family-oriented person, and although I'm an unapologetic workaholic as well, <laughs> but when I do spend time, I spend it with my family and uh, taking care of my mom and taking my grandkids places that they normally wouldn't go uh, definitely is a treat. So, yeah. I love that. Kevin, we talk about travel and the value yeah. of travel and, and value of family and, and spending that family time all the time. What, where does Anissa's thoughts take your mind? Well, you know, I really love the beach also. But when she talked about her grandkids, it, you know, my, I live in Washington, D.C., and my grandkids live in Washington State. It's like, it's like my Ooh. son took my grandkids away. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we travel, Lisa and I, my wife, we travel there to Washington as often as we can so we can get all our hugs in for the entire year. <laughs> Well, I can't wait to the next time and getting pictures, y'all. But when you do this next time, whether you're you know, huddling this year at home, <laughs> Anissa, or going to Washington State next time, Kevin, please send pictures. Yes, we'll Family time is too precious. Okay, so we got so much to get to here today. So, Anissa, great to have you back. So, for our listeners that perhaps missed our your first appearance with us, at least, uh, I know y'all you, you get interviewed a lot, uh, do a lot of keynoting, and of course run a couple of growing businesses. But let's offer up some context along the, that last point. What Tell us briefly, if you would, what your two companies do. And let's start with Pioneer Service. Sure. So Pioneer Service is a Swiss machine shop, basically precision machine components. We serve a wide variety of industries. We're AS9100 certified, which means we make parts for aerospace. We do a ton of business with Tesla as a tier two, mm. medical devices, industrial. We also uh, work with Microsoft Power Plant. We've been making parts for them as well. And so, yeah, just really a very complex, high production, tight tolerance work. That Kevin, her last point she made at tight tolerances and in those industries she mentioned, as a former aviator, I'm sure yeah. you can appreciate those companies that can maintain and supply precision parts, huh? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we, I'm working on a project right now where we're going to be uh, launching on uh, SpaceX Falcon 9 next year. And one of the areas we're actually, we're developing a component that goes into a CubeSat. And we were just developing some engineering models. So we're, we may have to uh, pick up the phone because we need some very tight tolerances so we can fit into that little bitty CubeSat. <laughs> no, yeah. Anissa. We actually make parts for SpaceX as a tier two. See? I can't tell you where they go because of the NDAs, uh -huh. but I can tell you that I were definitely tier two to SpaceX. And I was just talking to my customer this morning about some parts that she needs right away. And NADCAP, uh, our suppliers are obviously NADCAP certified. So yeah, that's very important. Wow. Okay. All right. So both of y'all, I'm going to say rocket scientists. Y'all got to keep the conversation <laughs> down so I can catch up with y'all. But that's, that is phenomenal. And of course, those industries require, I mean, you know, lives are at stake. So I really appreciate uh, that that aspect of your business. And that's just Pioneer Service. So let's talk yeah. about M&M Quality Grinding, Anissa. Yeah. So M&M is actually, although I was, I've been CEO and president of and co-owner of Pioneer for the last 30 years, prior to that, and yes, I am that old, prior <laughs> to that, I worked on my dad's shop floor starting at the age of 11, leaving the family business back in 1993 at the age of 23. And just so I'm, no one's counting their fingers, I know I'm I just turned 54. So I'm extremely grateful. I wear my, my age on my sleeve. I feel like it's very important to be okay with my age, right? Mm -hmm. I got grandkids. They're, how much can I hide? <laughs> I grandkids, like anybody could do that math. But nonetheless, I'm, I was very blessed to have worked on my parents' shop floor and started running a machine by the time I was 13 years old. Leaving the family business when I was 23, going into partnership with my uncle and then coming back full circle, being asked to come back as a CEO and as a partner wow. was extremely rewarding. Taking on the legacy of my family for, you know, 40 plus years 
So M&M is basically, we do bar grinding. So no, typically we service our suppliers who require raw material ground. And that equally has tight tolerances, but it's one dimensional. Mm -hmm. It's uh, the diameter and 12 foot, typically 12 foot bars, but we handle anywhere from three foot to 24 feet, anywhere from an 062 diameter all the way to a seven inch bar. So we typically sell to, we could be selling to OEMs who have machine shops on their floor or a small machine shop, a local machine shop and everything in between. Wow, wow. That's, that's really amazing. But it's really impressive, though, that this has been in your family, right? And there's a lot of times when you're born into a family business, the children don't want to, to do that. But you clearly have made a choice to spend your career in, in manufacturing. What, what did that? Was it, I mean, was it your family, but you left you left the family business, but you pursued yeah. manufacturing career outside of the family business. What what drove that? Kevin, I don't know what my parents put in our food when we were growing <laughs> I don't up. Know the food. I, 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 I don't know. <laughs> but seriously, I actually, when the economy was hard for five years, I was a real estate agent. And because of relationships I've had and because of my business background, I was very good at it. And I only did it as a hobby, mm. like after work and on the weekend. It was when my kids were teenagers. They didn't want to be around me anyway. <laughs> so, you know, that age. Yeah. So I kept myself busy in real estate and I made more money in five years in real estate wow. than I made 25 years in manufacturing as a business owner, let alone in manufacturing. So I'm not encouraging people to leave manufacturing for real estate <laughs> because obviously we, we, there's a, there's more to the career mm -hmm. and the money in manufacturing. I feel like, especially when you are a leader, when you've gone through and you've worked in a dark, dirty, grimy shop, yeah. when you've seen the impact that we have as makers, anything from being part of SpaceX to the soap that you mentioned earlier yep. and everything in between medical devices during COVID, oxygen equipment during COVID, that's extremely rewarding. And you don't get that, you know, when you're making money, you get that when you're making a difference. And that's what manufacturing does for me. So that's really uh, amazing that the food caused you to get into manufacturing. But, <laughs> but right now, there's like more than 600,000 open jobs in the industry. Is the, has the food gone bad? <laughs> well, well, shouldn't more people really want a job in manufacturing? It seems to have done you well. You know, what should they check out? Yeah, so I feel like it's... Our responsibility okay. as manufacturing leaders to promote the industry because people don't know what they don't know and it starts very young so we had a program when we were in addison and our mayor was extremely proactive mm -hmm. and very engaged in the manufacturing sector and so we would literally mentor sixth graders fifth and sixth graders and they would do something like a shark tank yeah. and so we bring them into our shop we would show them everything from marketing to manufacturing, to quality, to engineering, and just really expose them to manufacturing. And so we, there's a motto, manufacturing day is every day, because there's obviously the outreach during manufacturing day or manufacturing month, mm -hmm. where for us, it's part of our values. We need to do outreach. We, if we want to make a dent and bring people into this industry, we all have to collectively work on that. Whether or not we win a, an employee or not, it shouldn't be the driver. It should be that we just give back to the industry and expose. Because I, you know, back in the 60s and 70s right. and even 80s, it was dark, dirty, grimy. And I, if I was a parent and I wouldn't want my child to work in it at what it was back then. And it, the success wasn't very sustainable. It fluctuated where today, you could be working in marketing. You could be running a machine. There's a lot of coding. There's all different roles in this industry that kids don't know about. And so just like you would ask a child and expect them to say doctor, lawyer, engineer, we want them to also include maker yes. in their selection. That's really important. Kevin, I love that. Re respond to that if you would, Kevin. Does that hit you? That makes me ready to run yeah. through the, the wall back behind me, huh? Well, the thing about it is that she, I think she hit it on the head, exposure. You have to expose 
people to the, the possibilities. Like, you know, today, the only thing they get exposed to is social media and TikTok. So that's what they want to do. But if they get exposed to the power and the importance of manufacturing and how it really delivers value to society and the fact that everything is manufactured from, you know, yeah, you got the dirty grinding stuff, but you also have high tech semiconductors that have to be done in clean rooms, mm -hmm. right? There's a whole broad range of jobs and software right. is in everything. So I, I think it's the exposure, the different tasks, jobs, different careers in manufacturing. And Kevin, even like as manufacturers, when we do that, mm -hmm. I do a talk about DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And one of the ROIs of DEI is exposing those that aren't inclined to join it. Yes. So people that don't typically join, like women and inner city individual mm -hmm. students, many times we host children that come out and they just, they've never even heard of it. Like it's been in the factory and heard about these positions that we have. So really exposing them. And my thing is that the, had somebody walking into my four walls and learning about manufacturing, they don't necessarily have to join. Mm -hmm. I just want them to be advocates. I want to educate them. So when they go back, they can talk to their colleagues. They can talk to their friends. They can talk to their um, professors and say, this is a career path I may not want to go into, but this is something that you may consider. And I think that's our responsibility, and it's the ROI of DEI, exposing those that aren't inclined, those that not necessarily think about manufacturing, and that opens up the pool of candidates, and, and that's a win for everyone. Yeah. Yes. Can I just make a, a, a comment Please. about that, though? You are a, a role model, and you are the poster woman for DEI, how you can get into this career that's typically associated with mail and be the CEO of, of two different companies and being very successful in high tech manufacturing. So I just want to mm. congratulate you on everything that you have done. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. And well, on the flip side, I feel like being the CEO, mm -hmm. I need to make sure, keep myself in check and make sure that everyone on my team and that I interact with feels that sense of belonging. It's not about me. It's about everyone. And when I say that, and I think Scott and I talked about this last time, it's important that no one feels excluded. When I empower women, that's not dividing. That's not writing off a gender. When I see people of color or minorities and include them in the conversation, that doesn't mean I have to eliminate the white male. Right, it right. means that we all should be together. We should all interact, collaborate. Because that's, you know, I always believe innovation is championed through diversity. Yes, it is. And you don't ever want to limit yourself to just one. You know, like, okay, I got this. I got my check off the box. Diversity's done. Here we go. No, it's always evolving. And it's always looking at different perspectives, different backgrounds. And it could be, it doesn't have to just be male, female, and maybe race, but it could be even broader than that, even lifestyles, where they went to school, education levels. So I think the, the limited that we are, the limited our growth is. Yeah. And, and I'm not just talking about our growth in business, which is obviously important, but our personal growth. I feel extremely accomplished when I understand someone's perspective differently than it was when before I met them. Yeah, so. I think what you're really bringing up is that diversity really gives you, you that range of different world views. And the different world views are what drive innovation. And innovation is the fuel for success. So it, they, they all connect to one another. We're on the same page, my friend. Anissa and Kevin, I love the last couple of minutes. And I'll tell you, Anissa, if more industry leaders in manufacturing would take that responsibility to make more, expose more folks, mm -hmm. make them more aware of the opportunities, not only, it'd be, first off, the world would be a better place, but not only would manufacturing industry, we'd make some progress on that 600,000 or so open jobs, but 
equally as important would be opening those horizons for those individuals to your point. And Easton, I think Kevin, you made this too. Yeah. Even if they don't open the door and walk through it into the manufacturing industry, the more horizons you have to, to pick and choose from and be aware of. So very nicely, I applaud your leadership there, Anissa. And most importantly, because I know you and I've been tracking you because I'm, I think I'm, your, I'm co-chair of the Atlanta Anissa Muthana fan club. <laughs> so you put it into action and that's, it's not lip service. We, we see it. So I appreciate what you do. All right. So manufacturing days every day and the ROI on DEI, I've been taking notes. Anissa, <laughs> this is gold. And one last thing I want to call out to our listeners because I thought, that last segment was so important. The more limited we are, Anissa said, the more limited our growth is. And we all put self-constraints, so many things on what we think we can do, what we think we can't do. And I really appreciate your perspective there. Okay. So much to get to. So as we approach the new year, Kevin and Anissa, I cannot believe as of this recording, we're a month and a half away from 2024. So the question I want to ask you, Anissa, is what is one topic in global manufacturing that you believe We'll have more boardrooms talking about it in the months ahead. What do you think that might be, Anissa? Yeah, I workforce is a huge one. Like innovation, obviously, industry 4.0 and even beyond that is th- those are hot topics. I feel like also just really understanding the DEI factor, right? Getting that on a much higher scale. So there's, I, I feel like there's so much that's going on, mm-hmm. and I, workforce is always something that. We start talking and we never end stop and we never stop talking. And the solution to many of those issues that we're facing workforce are the industry 4.0. It's like all of the other topics are subtopics because of the workforce issues that people are facing. And I feel like that this is relevant, not just in manufacturing, but in all industries, because it is, it's hard finding the right people. It's not you know, sometimes you can hire, but you finding the right person that's aligned with your values, that's aligned with your mission in, in your company, and then also developing their skill sets to what you need. Those that's not a that's not a small task. Right. Well, and Kevin, I'll get your thoughts here. Workforce. Yes. So that's a, a, the big theme. And Nisa's pointing to and what she, one of the things she implied on the end there is it takes a ton of effort and investment and and focus and intention to not just hire the right people or anybody, but certainly the right people, but then engage, make sure they're engaged and they have what they need and they're advancing and they're adding to their knowledge base and they're fulfilled in their role. That is that in and of itself is a big job. Kevin, your thoughts. Yeah. I really like the emphasis on workforce, especially in today's world where everyone's afraid that some AI or machine learning algorithms going to take their jobs away from them. I mean, we need to make use and leverage our humans for what they are good for, right? And it's their imagination. It's their ability to think outside the box. It's their ability to succeed without having the software written into their brains. You know, it's, it's that software up here in your head that you have to leverage across your workforce. So I, I think that is really, really important, especially, especially with, from leaders. Well said. Anissa, do you want to respond to any, anything that Kevin just shared there? Yeah. So AI is a great tool and yes. it's going to make us better, but it doesn't replace people because AI can't sign off on anything. <laughs> AI is not responsible responsible for anything. You're still responsible. You're still making judgments. It's a tool. It's not the, it's not the solution to everything. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it, it goes back to automation. Automation replaces tasks, not people. We want to upscale our people. We don't need to upscale uh. a robot. A robot <laughs> is going to, you're going to program it to do a certain thing where that human touch, that that common sense, that outside the box thinking, you can't get that from a, a robot. <laughs> so it, it falls under the same category. And I think that there was so much fear when Industry 4.0 came along. And I think also it's our responsibility as business owners and leaders in, in any industry is to make sure that transparency is there. Yes. Yeah, we're going to use this tool and this is what's, what, this is my intention. And not just be like, okay, like the other day we had 
MXD. I actually sit on the advisory board for MXD. Mm -hmm. And we've been collaborating for a long time about our digital transformation. So they came with a pilot and they, we were brainstorming where we're going to put that to get data. Once we figured out which machine, I refused to let them put it on the machine until I got my guys that run that cell in a meeting and, and they've seen the automation, they've seen the machine monitoring, right, right. industry 4.0 is heavy in my shop. So it's not like something brand new, but I didn't want to make that decision until we were all on the same page and I told them what data we were pulling and why. Yeah. Because, you know, and I, and I told the engineers, just imagine them coming to you, like I'm sending three guys to your desk and they're putting, they're planting things at, on your desk, connecting it to your computer. What would you feel? How would you feel? Like, right. what would you be thinking? You'd be like, obviously, this is surveillance. Obviously, there's something going on that they're not being transparent to me with. And so that being said, I thought, I think that it's important to have that level of transparency so you can have the buy-in of your people. So it goes both ways. Mm. Yes, don't worry about it, but let me tell you my intention. Yeah, and I thought I'm going to steal from one of our earlier guests. The job of an executive is to take the robot out of the human. Ah, <laughs> leverage, leverage the power that. of the human. So that's what you, that's what a servant leader does, Anisha. Thank you. Kevin, well said. And Anisa, very well said. Kevin, we should give a shout out to Trevor. So Trevor, if you're listening, <laughs> Kevin and I really loved your response. And Anisa, back to yours. Uh, I think the power of what you're sharing goes so far. It, not only is it relevant, of course, with digital transformation, which we're going to ask you about in a second, manufacturing and, and workforce, but it, it's universal to leadership, right? You, you, this phrase that we've used a lot around here is you want to do it with your people, not do it to your people. Because to your point, Anissa, you don't know what they're going to assume, but it's usually going to be bad things if they're left out and, and don't understand. And what's the with them? What's in it for me? Or what's the so what? Or, you know, why are we doing it? Which is the great uh, word you use there, Anissa. So I love that. Okay. So we all have a big appreciation, I think, for AI and machine learning and industry 4.0 and all the technology that is it's an exciting time. But the beautiful good news is it takes people. So let's talk about digital transformation for just a minute. As you were describing a lot of that, Nisa, just a second ago, clearly you are, you struck with me last time you were here, you're a lifetime constant learner. And that struck, that struck me in your first appearance with us, and it's striking me again now. What's been a couple of your biggest lessons learned when it comes to leading digital transformation in manufacturing operations? Yeah, so thank you, Scott. Thank you for all those kind sentiments. I really appreciate them. And so, yeah, as far as the digital transformation, not too much too quickly. And I always say if you're collecting data, what are you doing with the data? If there aren't any action items coming from that data, don't collect it mm. because you're just wasting your time and you're overwhelming your team. Mm. Uh, that's one. That's a big one. And I spoke about the engagement of your team, the visibility and the transparency. Those, both of them are key. Visibility is put the monitors, let them see it too. Don't have it hidden in your office or be collecting reports and they don't know how you got those numbers. Let them see, because there might be a glitch. There might be a reason. Provide, giving them the opportunity to communicate, um, the easiest way to communicate. And when I say, you know, the why, right? Like, you have data, so what's the action items? The action items, nine out of ten times, will fall on the engineers or upper management. Mm. And what that means is that if there's raw material that they're having issues with, if that's the reason why the data is giving us the downtime because of a machine, because of raw material, then it's on us to buy better material, better tooling. If it's training, then we better be giving, providing training. If it's because there's a confusion in the, one of the processes, we better give clarity and more training on that. So it falls more on us. And I think that's how you get the buy-in. Yeah. It's them actually seeing that, wow, she's collecting this data the numbers aren't possibly great, mm -hmm. but we're not in trouble. And she's here to support us. That's how yep. you're going to get the engagement of the team. Well, That's just, it's simple math. It's not brain surgery. Well said, Anissa. And then Kevin, I'll get you to respond in just a second. I want to call out two things that she just shared there. Mm -hmm. One is a root cause. 
Sorry, I was trying to get my mental thoughts in line. Root cause, not just fixing it. There may be some, like she was talking about, material changes or other fixes so that we can eliminate those headaches from coming back and nipping at our, our teammates' heels once again. Really important. And then secondly, what I heard there, Anissa, correct me if I'm wrong, but all the things you mentioned that are lessons learned from digital transformation, from pace considerations, not too much too fast, to what are you doing with data, to the visibility, to transparency, all of those things kind of, in my mind, all up to protecting and building on the trust you have with your team. Because as I've always said it, when you when your team trusts you, when organizations and team members trust each other, that's when you can move mountains. You can move those that, that Teton range that yeah. I, I saw with my son a couple weeks ago. Kevin, respond to what some of the elements there that, that she's learned from leading successful digital transformation. Well, I really like the way she connected data to the business process. And that's really at the heart of any digital transformation. Because she, Lisa, you said, what are you going to do with the data? What action are you going to take with the data? And you can only, you can only digitally transform if you understand what data you need, how it relates to your business model, and how that business model or that business process contributes to the organization attaining its goals. So, I, I mean, I think that's that's number one. That, that, that is critical yeah. in any digital transformation process. And, and I'm, not, I'm not surprised because uh, you, you serve on the, the board of the National Association for Manufacturers. So I'd imagine this is something that you guys talk about all the time. Is, is that true? Or, or what is, uh, if not, what is your favorite issue that you use your voice on to, to advocate for in industry? Because it's clearly saying the right things. Yeah. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, I think as a small manufacturer, mm -hmm. so National Association of Manufacturers, you have big names, big companies out there that are even a small manufacturer, small to mid-sized manufacturer. Some of them are like 10 times bigger than we are. So there's a, uh, I would say it could be very intimidating being in the room full of those people that are decision makers and running these big organizations. But I feel like it's partly a responsibility to be there as a small manufacturer and make sure that my voice is being heard. We meet politicians all the time yeah. on the NAND. They either invite them to speak or they invite us to meet with them locally or nationally or through virtual. And so in, in doing so, having that voice and talking about whether it's regulations or whatever we're dealing with, whatever advocacy we need, NAM is there. I'm yeah. a big fan of Jay Simmons, who is the president and CEO of NAM. And he just, he's really out to really just advocate for us and be in front of either the media or politicians. And every opportunity that we have to do the same is to support the association. And in, in doing that, we're supporting the industry. And so how can we not? How can we not? Yeah. How can we ignore all of the issues, and especially in Illinois. Illinois is not a very pro-manufacturing state. And so, and because of that, when I was, when IMA, which is an, another version of NAM on a local level, Illinois Manufacturing Association, when the president CEO asked me to go to a press conference mm -hmm. because they were talking about some laws that they passed and the governor was speaking and he wanted someone from the manufacturing sector. Let me tell you, every second I, I was in his ear, I was on that mic wow. talking about needing to advocate for manufacturers and the laws that they're passing. Many of our shops, especially in my uh, sector of machining, mm -hmm. even as small machine shops already pay the PTO that they put in place, already pay for health insurance for our employees. So we're already a step ahead than the average industry out there. So if I'm not there telling them, if no one's out there telling them, then how are we going to really make a difference? Yeah, sounds right. You are using your voice well. <laughs> oh, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. You can't hold me back. You can't hold me back. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to? <laughs> I learned that last time, Anissa. You touched on so much there because it goes without saying that not just in the States, but globally, manufacturing is so critical to any economy in any country, in any region. 
Here in the States, obviously, reshoring, nearshoring, friendshoring. We've heard all sorts of themes in the last couple of years, and we've seen it. You you mentioned the the different states, and you know some states are oftentimes can be more appealing for different industries. You know, everywhere you turn around down here, Kevin, at least yeah. between South Carolina and Georgia and Alabama, they're winning all kinds. The automotive clustering that goes on, mm-hmm. very prevalent in, throughout the Southeast. And of course, uh, electric vehicle batteries, man, there there's all kinds of infrastructure everywhere going up. And if it's not, if we don't have voices, and to your first point, Anissa, from all aspects, not just the big heavy duty global manufacturers, but the middle market folks, the yeah. small manufacturers, well, we need all those voices so we can really create a playing field that works to fuel the growth and success for all the whole ecosystem. Kevin, your quick comment before I keep driving here. No, no, no. You're absolutely right. It is about the, the ecosystem, about how the different uh, members of the industry collaborate to, to make everyone's business better. And, and using your voice to, to highlight the challenges really, I think, focuses on that collab- collaboration, or, or not just within the industry, but across other industries, because everything's connected in today's world. Right. Oh, no, undoubtedly. And you know what? Back to we were talking earlier about what consumers know. I think that's one of the lessons they've learned. We've learned as, cons- as all of us are consumers, mm-hmm. but those aren't in industry. I think they've really they've made a lot of progress connecting the dots, especially when you look at global supply chain or you think about what comes from where, what makes what. I mean, I think there's been a lot of strides made when it comes to educating the consumer. One last thing, and we're going to keep driving here, Anissa, but one last thing is it's really as I'm reflecting on what you're sharing mm-hmm. and kind of the conversation thus far, I think about how we're talking about what makes a healthy manufacturing industry on, on a variety of levels, from the people component, right, and bringing people in to the economic environment. And how can states and the private sector work together so that we can grow and grow production, grow business, you name it, to the technology side, which every industry is grappling with the most effective and practical way of leveraging modern technology and doing it the right way and at the right pace, which is one of the things that needs to put out, pointed out. But I want to broaden the conversation now. One of my favorite parts of our last interview, Anissa, and really in general, is getting some of your leadership advice. That's why a lot of organizations seek you out and have you come in and speak and whatnot. So one of the things you're passionate about is getting the best out of your team, right? So what do you, in in your mind, there's a long list probably, what's a couple of proven best practices for truly getting the best out of any team? Yeah, so I I feel that it's important to emphasize it's got to be the right people. I say people first. I I mm. use that term all the time, but it's got to be the right people because people will take advantage. That people there are bad apples. There's transform everyone, right? You can't. Not everyone's going to buy into your vision. So one thing that I do, like we just hired two people with our move and our expansion. We need more people. So and one is going to be an, a buyer, and the other is going to be a sales engineer. And so I interviewed them dif- on different times and hired them different times, but they ended up being hired on the same date mm. and started on the same date. So the orientation, part of the orientation is I sit with them. And just like I said in the interview and emphasize in the interview, go on our website and I give a card. I can pull one out. Okay. I give them our core values. And at the interview, when I feel like it's going in the direction, I hand them a card and I say, I want you to look at these and I want you to make sure that you feel comfortable working at a company that's going to hold you accountable. And so when you literally build your foundation on that, right? And then let's just fast forward. Now I've hired them. I give them a card again. They're very inexpensive Mm -hmm. to print. (laughs) And I want to make sure they don't lose it. And it's all over. Like I always say, I don't want them to just be pretty words on a wall. I want them to mean something. I don't want them to be content on my website. I want them to actually be words that we live by. And how do I do that? Is I emphasize the importance and I use examples like integrity. Integrity for a shop operator, a machinist, is making sure that when he pushes his parts to the next department, he knows that those parts are good. And if anything is questionable, he raises his hand and tells the supervisor, "There's should I sort these? What should I do? Put a hold on them. So, you know, he doesn't need to make the decision, but he needs to be transparent about 
any issues that he's having. And that me defines him integrity. My integrity is when I interviewed you, what I told you in the interview, the, pri the proof is in the pudding. When after I hire you, I need to make sure that I'm checking in right. and that you're understanding what I said to you in the interview, my commitments that are on that job offer continues throughout your career here. Yeah. And if something's changed, whether you're not taking on the responsibilities or the expectation isn't clear or whatever it is that we're communicating regularly to make sure that we're on the same page. Because the last thing I want to do is like, well, six months in, I'm supposed to give him a raise, but you know what? He's not doing that great. So right. no, he's not getting the raise. Why didn't I tell him three months ago? Yeah. Why didn't I tell him? Why am I telling him the day that I committed? So that's integrity for me. So integrity, people hashtag it. People put it on, every, it's on all core values, but how do you define it based on your role? Everyone has to know how they're defining it. And I'm just using one of many of our values as an example. And so that I feel like is the structure, is making sure that everyone is on the same page and everyone understands the expectation. And now as the owner, the CEO, I have two managers that have, they're responsible and they have my permission to tap me on my shoulder. Should I steer away from this? So when we get stuck and we're trying to make a decision, it's literally in the conference room. What do the core values say? Yeah. It gives us our compass. Let's use it. And so I feel that in itself, being able to lead by example, I think that that speaks volume to my team. And if someone's trying to get out of something, if someone's you know not aligned to these values, mm -hmm. it's just a matter of time for them not to be on my team. It's going gonna, it's gonna to show somehow, and it's going to show consistently where many people with good intentions, they may not, the intentions could be really good, but the expectations not, may not be clear. Yeah. And that's my job. And that's where I need to make sure that the expectations are clear and their managers should be doing the same. And we should all be speaking the same language and showing them the same thing. Yeah, mm. you're, you're building culture. You're building the right culture that will permeate your organization. And if you start with that as a foundation, you will always be successful. That's, those are great mm. words there. I, agreed. Uh, Anissa, you, dropped, you mentioned the word integrity a lot in your response there. And kind of leadership integrity is what I took away. You know, so they see you operating with integrity. They trust you. And again, for me, from what you're sharing, that trust leads right into operational performance, yeah. right? Because I tell you, if you don't trust any, if you don't, and, and not just within workforce, but in general, if you're not trusting whoever you're collaborating with or working with or playing basketball with or whatever, you're always going to have this little second guess that kind of eats away at this decision or that decision. But when you completely trust someone because you see the integrity that they operate with and, and you see it in deeds, not words, right? That's when you, you, that's when special things happen. Yes. So Anissa, I really appreciate that because that's direct, that's so tied to any team's performance. And I really appreciate that, how y'all do things there. Now I got to ask you, Anissa, you held up that card. What's one of your other favorite core values that's on that card? Well, it's actually not a value, but it's on here. It's outreach. Okay. <laughs> um, and that we talked about that before. Yeah. But if I were to pick another one, it would be stewardship. Stewardship is, it's like, I, I feel like it's teamwork on steroids mm. is what I call it. And it's basically, I have your back, you have my back. And that applies to the customer, applies to the suppliers, and it applies to the team, and it doesn't have to involve me. Yeah. Stewardship is, let's just say there's two employees that one of them made a mistake and the other was able to help them fix the mistake. They identify it, they fix it, they move on. And that's stewardship. It's not... Um, I'm going to go find out your boss and I'm going to go rat you out or I'm like literally, and I use that as an example when I also hire, like what stewardship means within our four walls. I say it obviously means a lot to our customers mm -hmm. and our partners, our suppliers, but within our four walls, what does stewardship mean is that we are in it together. We win together and we lose together. And when someone identifies a problem, it's not necessarily has to identify the person. It can identify how do we correct the process? 
How do we train this person so it doesn't happen next time? And just really having that, going back to what you said earlier, Kevin, and both you and Scott, the trust factor, having that level of trust that you have my back. I feel like that is the core of what people need to have. Because nowadays, that level of trust, it's my success has to be at your expense. Like, why is that? Like, why do I have to put someone down so I can feel better about myself? That's something I want to steer away from. And and yeah, so stewardship would be my my favorite after integrity. I love it. Kevin, I'm going to get your, before we make sure folks know how to connect with Anissa here, get you to respond there on integrity, Mm -hmm. stewardship, outreach, and how they're living their values amongst her teams there. Yeah, say once again, it's all about culture. You have to have uh, uh, culture permeates an organization, but it starts at the top, and it has to be something that the company is. And I can see that's what uh, Anissa. That is what you are. So it's it's really a, a strong example, right. a strong statement, and uh, a powerful role model that you are with Mm. respect to setting your culture and your organization. And good for the company, good for the organization, good for the team, good for the industry. And it's good for profit. And these, it, right. That's right. (laughs) And it's important without profit, there's not a whole bunch we can do. Yeah. But Kevin, I promised you that Anissa was quite the dynamo. Yeah. I really wish we had a couple more hours with her here today, but Hey, Anissa, let's make sure folks, I know you, you do beyond running a couple of successful businesses and doing a lot for industry and sitting on boards and talking with fifth and sixth graders about manufacturing, which is one of my favorite things that we'll have to talk about next time. You also speak and give a lot of interviews. You're a great ambassador for really for uh, not just business, but especially the manufacturing industry. How can folks connect with you, Anissa? LinkedIn pretty much is the best place. I always check my messages and I obviously am very active when I can be. I've been not as active recently, but overall, I feel like um, LinkedIn is the best platform um, as far as business, manufacturing, development, making connections and continuing our connections. Like I said earlier, Scott, before we went and recorded, it was that really engagement and seeing what you're doing, not only for the industry, but just as a human and some of the posts and comments and really just keeps that line of communication open. Anissa, I really, really appreciate it. I'm so glad that we could reconnect again and share uh, your powerful voice and actions with our global audience. So thank you so much. But before we leave here, Kevin, Mm -hmm. big shout out again to Microsoft doing really cool things in the manufacturing space. What are you tracking right now? Well, you know, I really like this show because a couple of things that Anissa highlighted. uh, One was like empowering the workforce, right? Uh, making sure that you have the right culture uh, around your workforce, that they know that each other ha- you have each other's back. And when we were talking about uh, digital transformation and AI and machine learning, the importance of reskilling your workers and letting them know that we're not collecting data so that we can catch you doing the wrong thing. And, and the second thing is about innovation, right? You need people to help you think of new ways to have that imagination that drives innovation. And that's how you unlock new services. Manufacturing and, and, and companies that focus on products are now doing what's called servicization, where they're taking the product and adding services on top of it so that they can deliver innovative values to their customer. And both of these things are really coming from the capability of the Microsoft Cloud for manufacturing because it's really designed to deliver the capabilities that support these core processes and requirements of any organization in the manufacturing industry. So the end-to-end manufacturing cloud solutions are being released so that you can release these new capabilities, securely connect your people, your assets, and workflows, and your business processes. 
And you can see mm -hmm. from Nisa that she's leveraging that every day. So, I mean, thank you for the, the leadership that you are e exhibiting, Anissa. Undoubtedly. Let's see here. Kevin, mm -hmm. very well stated, by the way, very well stated from the person, you're too humble, but the person that wrote the book on <laughs> cloud computing, by the way, you're doing a lot of cool things. Of course, Digital Transformers, you lead here, part of our supply chain now fam. What, how can folks connect with you, Kevin? Yes, like Anissa, I'm on LinkedIn also. That's very, that's a good place to catch up on me, but the best place is right here on Supply Chain Now, where we have a monthly show for digital transformers and the buzz, where I'm there the That's right. second uh, Monday of every month. So, and hey, LinkedIn, Facebook, and DX, I'm there as well. <laughs> <laughs> I got, so I'm still making that mental shift, but you know, Kevin, you're everywhere, I tell you, and I, I feel like I get a degree every on that second Monday of each month when you uh, join us for the buzz. But all of this to say, uh, I'll tell you, Anissa Mathana, CEO and co-owner of both Pioneer Service and M&M Quality Grinding. Like Kevin said, you're really an inspiration. I really appreciate what you shared here. We didn't mention this on the front end, but I know from our previous conversations, important to you and our audience that especially women, that they look to role models like what you're doing, leading organizations, leading industry, and they can, they, since they see it, it helps them know and be confident that they can be it. And Anissa, what you're doing is so important. And I hope you continue to rub off on many others and the future leaders of our industry. So Anissa Mathana, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. All right. So Kevin, I promised and Anissa, as always, delivered quite the dynamo. But we should thank again, big thanks to our collaborative partners over at Microsoft yes. as well, helping us to bring wonderful, inspiring stories and leaders like this one to our global audience. Kevin, always a pleasure to knock this out with you. I learned so much on these, these series, this Microsoft series. So thank you for letting me be your co-host. Absolutely. My wingman, right? Uh, wingman. As an, an aviator parlance, right? <laughs> yes. But big thanks again, Anissa and Kevin. And to all of our listeners out there, folks, hopefully you enjoyed this episode as much as I have. But now the onus is on you. You got to take some of the brilliance that Anissa and Kevin dropped here today. Take just one thing at least, put it into action, right? Deeds, not words. It's what it's all about. But with that said, on behalf of our entire team here at Supply Chain, now Scott Luton challenging you to do good to give forward and to be the change. And we'll see you next time right back here on Supply Chain Now. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for being a part of our Supply Chain Now community. Check out all of our programming at supplychainnow.com and make sure you subscribe to Supply Chain Now anywhere you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next time on Supply Chain Now. Supply Chain Now.